everyone, I'm Abby Feeder, Certified Life and Fertility Coach, and you're listening to The Fertility Chick. This show is all about the road to parenthood, which is almost never the same for everyone, and our guests' professional successes along the way. Before I talk about who today's guest is going to be, I just want you to stay tuned until the very end to let you know that I'm just going to be going a little bit into some of the feelings that come up around Mother's Day. This can be a super delicate time of year for people in a way that, sadly, I didn't really consider until I'd gone through my own heartache around Mother's Day, but it's not just for infertile people. There are people who are on the outs with their families, who've had pregnancy loss, who have mothers who passed away, who yearn to be a mother. And I'm just going to get even more into that at the end of the episode. But if you're hurting, just know I've been there. I see you. I feel you. And I am with you. And I'm holding space for you today. So today's guest is the absolutely beautiful Marcy Gonzalez. Marcy is a local news anchor here in Los Angeles. Of course, local news in Los Angeles is fairly large, so she does reach quite a wide audience, and she's been beautifully calm and open about her own fertility struggles and losses along the way. She's got an adorable family. She is fostering a beautiful baby right now. We'll hear about that, and I can't wait for you to meet her, so enjoy. Marcy, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I feel like if we could go all over the place here, I want to talk about where you are right now at this moment in terms of your family, and then we'll go back and talk about how you got here. Things have changed very suddenly in my life, so my family has just, it's different than it was a few weeks ago. So I have a almost three-year-old boy, biological child, sweet little Brooksy. And he's so cute, by the way. Oh, thanks. thanks. So cute. My love. Yeah. Sweetie. And my husband and I went through the whole process of becoming foster parents, getting approved through Los Angeles County. I did that last year, not with any specific goal in mind, just because we have an extra bedroom and we have love to give. And we just said like, let's just go through the process so that if the timing is right and if there's a child in need that we can help, we'd be able to. And so we've fostered one other child, I'm a teenager before. And then two weeks ago, I got a call for a newborn baby who needed a home and it was kind of an emergency situation. So they wanted, so I picked her up from the hospital that day. Oh my gosh. So we're caring for this beautiful little baby and we don't know how long she'll be with us, but for now she's a part of our family and it's just wild to be back in newborn land again. And that's, (laughs) it's so much. I mean, and also, you know, yesterday we were chatting about today and you're like, oh, by the way, I'm on parental leave. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I love that your employer, which is CBS News, I don't, I guess it's like, is it Viacom or it's, it's like Paramount. Paramount, Paramount. Thank you. I love that they gave you time for this. So can you tell me, just because it's so rare to hear positive stories in this yeah. respect, like, do you get a full 12 weeks? Like, how does this part of it work? Yeah. And, and the same for my husband. He's also on parental leave. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. So he works for Disney and same thing. So we get the full parental leave that you would get if it were a biological child. I don't know that we'll necessarily take all of that time because this was so sudden for everyone. And so, you know, normally employer has time to backfill and figure things out. And so we're kind of just 
taking it week by week and figuring it out. But I was trying to juggle everything at once. At first, I was the first week and a half, I was still working and had the baby. And then I realized like the sleep deprivation was real. It's so so I'm off this week and next, and then we'll see what happens. Okay. And like at this point, I've already told everybody that you're an amazing news anchor here in LA. And so is your husband, ironically, which I just (laughs) love. You guys are like the media dream team. So what time do you normally have to be at work? Like 3 a.m.? 3 a.m. Yeah. The alarm goes off at quarter till 2 a.m. Oh my goodness. So what time do you go to sleep normally? Oh, well... It's not as early as it should be, but because yeah. my husband works nights and so five nights a week, I'm alone for bedtime. So I usually get my son down around 8 p.m. and then as quickly as I can try to get myself ready. So I like to try to be asleep by nine, but ideally even earlier. So not getting a ton of sleep. I try to nap a little bit during the day too, to sort of supplement and just kind of like sure. grab the rest wherever you can. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is what I love about these stories because you are literally the quintessential from the outside having it all in some ways. I want to talk and we'll get there about how you came to this job because I, I know you've been in the news for a long time. I know you got your degree in journalism and broadcast journalism. So I want to talk about what that looked like for you growing up, but also you have a beautiful family and I know you've been struggling to build more into your family. So I want to talk about that. So you have these crazy hours, you're solo five nights a week, you're at work by 3 a.m. You're managing a husband who also has an insane schedule. And you guys do seem like a wonderful partnership. Like, how are you doing all of this? And (laughs) how do you prioritize? And I want to talk more about your fertility journey to build your family. But when is that the priority? And when does that have to take the back seat? That's a really great question. And, you know, I don't have any of the answers. Like, I don't even know what we're doing. We're just kind of figuring it out as we go. Which Um, is great. Which is great. You can be in that present moment. I think that's very hard for people on the fertility road specifically because you had a picture of what something was going to be like. And when it's not that, you're just constantly striving to that. And and it's harder to live in the moment. So I admire that you're able to do that. I mean, but it's a struggle for me too. You can say, oh, we, well, we've, we figured it out as we go and all of that. But like some days we're not figuring it out and we are just exhausted and like, what are we doing? <laughs> and, and then the, you know, the emotional toll that our fertility journey takes on us. I mean, some days are really tough. Some days are regular tough. And some days we're like, okay, we can do this. It's just a mix. Yeah. The exhaustion doesn't help with it though. I mean, some days it's just a real, it's a real struggle, but I mean, just like anyone else, like you make it work. you like, you find a way to make it work. And I'm so, so lucky to have such a supportive, amazing husband. He does so much. I could never do any of this. I couldn't have this job if I didn't have a husband like him who just does more than his share of childcare things. Like he's just so hands-on with my son. My son idolizes him. And now with this new baby, I mean, he washes bottles and he splits the middle of the night feedings. And so that makes all the difference in the world. We were actually just talking this morning about another relationship I was in once and someone that I thought that I would have a family with and is very different It's a very different personality than this and how different life would be and how limited I would be in my ability to have all of these things going on. I don't know that I would be able to if I didn't have this amazing partner. So that makes all the difference. Yeah. And of course, we're going to link to your Instagram, but you can see your family on Instagram. I mean, you can see what a partnership you guys have together. And I want to talk a little about Brooksy. So he's three or he's almost three, did you say? He'll be three in May. He's almost three. Okay. Yeah. So 
Was he planned at the time? Did you have an easy time having Brooks? Tell me about that initial baby journey. Yeah, that story actually begins even before Brooks. I was pregnant in a previous relationship and lost that baby. Mm, I'm sorry. And thank you. And that really rocked my world because at the time, I really had no idea that miscarriage was just so common. It just didn't even cross my mind that that was a possibility of what could happen with that pregnancy. It was kind of like, I'm pregnant. Great. We're having this baby. And so when I miscarried, it really just sent me to a really dark and sad place. And I was like, why don't people talk about this? Like, why didn't I realize? And then, you know, some people came forward like, oh yeah, actually my sister or my friend. I'm like, wait, so this, everyone's struggling with this and no one's talking about it. And so that's a part of why I'm like, I am always going to talk about this stuff because at the very least, hopefully it can help someone who hears it say like, oh, she went through it and she got through it. I needed stories like that when I was in my low place. And so that's why I'm really open about it. So lost that baby, that relationship ended. And so I decided to freeze my eggs because I was single. I was in my mid thirties. I knew I wanted to be a mom more than anything in the world. I would like leave the career behind and leave everything behind. All I wanted was to be a mom. So I froze my eggs And when I was in that process is when I started dating my husband and he was really supportive through it all. And then we got pregnant with Brooks very easily. And I feel guilty saying it because I think it's hard to hear that for, especially for women who are struggling to get pregnant. But I knew how lucky we were because I had been, you know, on the other side of things, but we got pregnant with Brooks. As soon as we started trying, it was a healthy pregnancy. And so I naively kind of thought like, oh, okay, good. The fertility struggles are over. It is easy for us. It was, that was a one-time thing, the miscarriage. And now like I can have children. Great. And then we tried for number two and we lost that pregnancy. Yeah. And it was after we'd already told our families and, Mm. you know, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. And then we had another miscarriage. And so- so Thanks. You know, it's just, it's so, so hard. And it, and it really can mess with your head because you're just like, why is this happening to me? And it was really hard, but I just decided, we decided that, all right, we need to get some answers because while miscarriage happens to so many women, like this keeps happening. So maybe there's more to it. And so that's when we started looking to IVF. And so that's the journey that we're on now. That's the journey. And you're still on. Okay. And what ended up happening with your egg freezing journey? Did you get results you wanted? Have you started moving into those eggs yet or not yet? Yeah. So the doctor we went to suggested that we find out what the deal was with those eggs before we tried getting more because she's like, you don't want to think you have this backup plan. And then it ends up not being a viable backup plan. So let's see what we've got. Let me just tell you from somebody that talks to women who have frozen eggs often, that's a rarity with the doctors. A lot of times they like to do new cycles before they go back. And I find it so confounding and confusing and makes no sense. So I'm so glad that your doctor did it the other way because exactly what you said happens. The couple's like, oh, well, we have these other eggs on ice. So this is just to see if we can make fresh embryos. And then something happened with that round of eggs and none of them are viable. So I'm so glad that that was not your journey. And I applaud your doctor for doing it that way because a lot of them don't. 
Yeah, I'm so grateful for it too, because it seemed like common sense to me. Like, let's just get all the eggs now because I'm not getting any younger. So the younger I am, the better it's going to be. So let's do that. And then we'll check on those later. And she's like, no, I do not want you to have this false hope if it ends up being false hope, which it ended up being. So we, Uh, yeah, we got nothing out of it. We did end up with a couple of mosaics. And so, but you know, we're trying for one that we can feel really confident about, but yeah, we're grateful to have that, but it just, it wasn't the results that we were necessarily hoping for, but we have that, but we've gone through a couple of cycles now, aside from the frozen eggs and we don't have anything. We don't have any viable embryos yet, but But you're still going. We're still trying. And you do still have a couple mosaics. You still have those? Like, yes. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, I know lots of beautiful mosaic children running around this world right now with feet and hands and hearts and all of it. So I love it. Yeah. And we're not, and we're not giving up hope on that. But again, it's a thing of, you know, I'm 40 now. And so I'm like, yeah, girl. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I just recognize like now's the time to just like put all of my energy into this and, you know, we'll do some more egg retrievals and do all that. And I'm so happy that those mosaics are there and I stay optimistic about those, but I'm not going to stop this journey just yet. Okay. We want to just keep, we want to keep track. Your gut, I feel like your gut leads the way on that one. You'll know when it's time to maybe pivot. Yeah, exactly. You know, so how do you manage the insane amount of monitoring that needs to happen for IVF cycles and being at work at 3 a.m.? (laughs) Um, it's it's kind of nuts. Luckily, the doctor that I've been going to is fairly close and they're pretty flexible and work is pretty flexible too. So when there are days where like, I'm sorry, I have to leave early today for a doctor's appointment. They're pretty good about that. So Mm -hmm. I'm really, really grateful. So that's the only way I make it work. If I had different hours, I think it would be more difficult actually, because at least I'm out of work really early. So I can do a 2 PM appointment any day because I'm home from work as opposed to a nine to five, which I mean, I just give so much yeah. credit to the women who are juggling those kinds of hours and trying to squeeze in appointments. That's a right. lot. It's like the 6.30 a.m. ultrasound appointment. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I just love it. You like show up to your doctor appointment, like full hair and makeup. Everyone's probably in their sweatpants and mom buns. And you're like, <laughs> Hi, I had a whole glam squad today. So I'm here at 2 p.m. Yeah, they're probably like, who does this chick think she is? Shout out to the doctor. Like, it's like, no, someone put this on my face so that I could handle the studio lights. This is not how I go out in the world normally. I love it. And you are so open about this on air, which I just, I'm so grateful because that's actually how we connected. Somehow you found me and I ended up doing something on your news show, on your news program around Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And you so generously opened up that you've been through it. So along the way, and your co-anchor, who's awesome at the time, knew about it, like knew your journey. So mm-hmm. do you talk about it fairly openly at work? Like, does everybody know you're at, that you're still on this trajectory and that you went everything you've gone through? Yeah, I'm really open about it. Everyone feels really differently about this because I know people who are going through it and just want to keep it to themselves. And I totally respect that. So what feels right for me, I know is not right for everyone. But for me, I feel like there is no shame in going through this process. So why wouldn't I talk about it like anything else that I do? I'm going to dinner with a friend. I have an IVF appointment. Like it's all just a part of my life and what I'm going through. And I'm just kind of an open book because I don't want to put off the energy that there is anything wrong with yeah. what, what I'm doing. 
Yeah. And there's well, not. Yeah. And then talking about it openly on air, I mean, it all goes back to that first miscarriage I had where I'm like, I wish yeah. people talked about this. I wish I knew this were a thing. So this is my job. Like it's important to just be authentic, be open and let people know like they are not alone. If you are going through this and you are hurting, I've been there and a lot of women have been there and I think it helps to hear. Mm-hmm. And not only have you been there, but you've been there and you're still managing this incredible dream career of yours in some way and that that is possible. And I know sometimes that's a struggle for women to think like, oh my God, this is so unfair. How does she have it all? But that you are really managing all of it and working really hard to manage because we always think it looks so easy on the outside. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot that, and you, I talk about it at work, but people, you know, you don't understand how hard it is to have to do these injections and the hormonal changes and bloated and just all of these things that I'm so uncomfortable, but you got to just like push through. So my life is not glamorous. Like it might maybe look like it. I don't even know if that's true, but but it feels like anything, but, but that's okay. Like I want to have a real full nuanced life and I'm, that's what it is. And with the ups and the downs and there there are a lot of downs and, and sad and tough parts. That's okay. Yeah. I want to ask about Brooks. I know a lot of times with secondary infertility, there's pressure from the first child. Does Brooks ask about a sibling? And with the foster care, I mean, how do you explain that, especially with the teenager and now with the little baby? Like, how is he handling all of this? He is handling it incredibly well. I'm honestly sort of shocked by how well he's handling it. But we always talk about the idea of another baby coming into our family because we are so optimistic that it will happen for us one way or another. So we've asked like, do you want to have a baby brother or baby sister? He's like, yeah. And like gets excited talking about it. And so it's always just sort of been in his mind. And then with the foster baby, he took to her immediately, which was again, surprising. But the night, either one or two nights before she came to us, we had just been talking to him about like, do you want a baby brother or baby sister? And he's like, I want a baby sister. I want a baby girl. Gosh. And so she just shows up. Just, <laughs> but he doesn't know that that's not the way it normally happens. Right. And so he's been really gentle with her and like wants to hold her and wants to feed her. And I wonder if some of it is just like the conversations we had leading up to it. Some of it might be that like he didn't have any attention taken away from him because I wasn't pregnant and I wasn't, there wasn't any of that. It's just, there's a baby here and we're like, we're still doing the same things with him that we were doing before. We're trying to not let it like impact him. So if he asks to play like, okay, let's play, you know, you can put the baby, you know, down in the bassinet for a few minutes and play with trucks or whatever it is he wants to do so that he doesn't feel jealous or have any issues there. So Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. We're lucky so far. We'll see. And how are you feeling like, well, yeah, but he's resilient. So it's not like, right. You know, they bounce back from almost anything pretty much. Does having this baby in the house make it better, worse, heartache, more heartache, better? Like how does it impact you in terms of your journey? It's interesting. I recently went to a hypnotist for fertility, which was a really interesting experience. And I was talking to her about after the hypnosis therapy and she called to check in on me and I'm like, I have a newborn here that just arrived last night. And she's like, wait, what? Like, 
she's like, you manifested a baby like right away. And I'm like, that's, is obviously not the case, but she's like, you know, this is like the kind of like baby energy that could be really healthy to be around. Like Mm. it could really have an impact just being in that place. But the, one of the things that came through in my session with her was that I might have some subconscious fears of being able to be a mom to two children and to be able to give Brooks the amount of love and attention he deserves and that he's used to. And so that there might have been some kind of like subconscious block against a second having a second child because I was afraid of that. And so now being able to care for this other baby, I feel like it's showing me like, oh, I can do you it. You can do this. That's I amazing. Oh my God. And I can. Yeah. So yeah, it's really interesting. I'm so into all of that stuff. Like yeah. all of it. I believe in all of it. You know, I see no reason not to. And I just love that that's what the, the timing of all of that. Are there any other experimental, shall we call it, treatments or things you've done along your journey that are maybe not the norm? Yes. And I'm struggling to think of the name of it. I should have looked this up. Oh, I kind of okay. hadn't, hadn't really thought about it before you just asked. But years ago, before Brooks was born, I had done this like energy clearing mm-hmm. thing where they like take down your heart wall. I wish I could remember the name of it. I'll think of it and let you know if you want to put it in the show notes. And it's just kind of like this energetic clearing of blocks and past traumas and stuff like that. And it was right after my last session of that, that I got pregnant with Brooks. See, I believe in this. I've done a million of those. I've done a million of those. Also, it helps that we live in LA because everyone and their mother is available for you for any service that you might need. But I believe in all of this. Like I once had a a loss, a miscarriage that wouldn't leave my body. And I needed an energy person to help release whatever was being held onto. And the next day it was taken care. It had been like 39 days of waiting and waiting. The day after my energy work, it released. I know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I do believe in all of that. And actually that woman, she's a dear friend of mine. She's going to be on the podcast too, because she's had a crazy journey. And if you ever want to connect with her, I'll connect you with yes, her. Yes, please. I that love. is so great. You know, I definitely felt that that it ha- played a role in it. So that's probably the only other thing that would be seen as like kind of experimental. But I go to acupuncture every week. Good. That's been a really big part of my whole journey where I just, I I believe in the benefits of it, but I also just believe like being actively like working towards this goal. Like I show up every week because I'm not giving up. I'm not just totally leaving it to chance. Like I want to feel like I know I'm doing everything I possibly can to set myself up for success. And my acupuncturist is wonderful. She specializes in fertility. And so the beginning of every session, we just talk about like what's going on and what's the latest from the doctor. And so it, it almost feels like a little mini therapy session as well yes. as being able to talk to someone who gets it and can give some really helpful feedback and ideas of other things that I might look into or consider. So it's just been really, really helpful. And I think it's also so important what I love about acupuncture, because I definitely work with clients who don't believe in it at all. And I'm like, you don't have to, but you're still setting that time aside. Like you said, the way you phrased it was like that you're putting this time towards the journey, but also you're creating the time to quote unquote, relax, to meditate, to put time aside for yourself that sometimes we forget to do, especially when we have a child and it's secondary infertility and that child just takes up all of your self-care time. So I love that you're doing this religiously and weekly. Yeah, it's really been beneficial. And it is, it's hard to carve out the time and it's hard because like the appointment is always during what's usually my nap time. And so I'm like, gosh, should I be doing this? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? This, cause this is probably more relaxing than a nap. And I feel empowered by it too. Just like I said, knowing that 
I'm investing in it and just taking the time to talk to somebody who gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you fall asleep in acupuncture? Do you ever combine the two? Okay. Because I'm like, I used to fall asleep all the time. I mean, that was my nap time, basically. Yeah, exactly. She always comes in. She's like, did you rest? I'm like, oh, I was out. You probably heard me snoring in the next year. Totally. I find that sleep like the deepest, most wonderful sleep in acupuncture. If you were given the choice, and we're not going to show this tape to your bosses or let them listen to this podcast, but if you were given the choice, you'd say, forget it to the career and go all family all in. So let's talk about how you ended up in this career path. And it seems, I mean, look, I don't know your whole trajectory, but if you do a quick Google search, it seems like it's been a really fulfilling, meaningful career. I wish I had still lived in New York when you were up in the Bronx. I went to junior <laughs> high school in the Bronx. Oh, no um, yeah. I mean, you've gotten two huge markets, New York and LA, and you also, I think, did a lot of traveling for big travel stories. And so at that time, were you even considering, were you in relationship? Were you considering parenthood or was it like, let me get this piece done and then settle down? Yeah. It was always kind of like, I'm going to be all in on my career and see the world because that's the phase I'm in. And I always knew that I wanted to get to this next chapter where I settled down a little more and was just focused on family. But I mean, there was a time where I didn't know if I would ever get here because the job was so demanding. For almost nine years, I worked for ABC News as a national correspondent and doing like affiliate work as well. So being the reporter that would be on whatever the big story is. And then every local station, every local ABC station in the country would use those reports. So it was just a ton, a ton of travel. And then on the weekends, I'd report for Good Morning America and World News. And so it was a really demanding job, but I loved it. Like I I always say, like, I wake up every morning not knowing what city I'm going to fall asleep in that night. It was awesome for that time of my life. But I wanted to be a mom. But then there was this like conflict. So I'm like, I want to get to that next chapter, but how do I do it when I'm working so much and I'm just all over the place. So I was having to cancel dates all the time because the phone rings and there's a breaking news story in another state. And so it was really hard to be in the kind of relationship that I wanted to be in that would lead me to this place where I would have this stable home life and be able to be a mom. So it just sort of like worked out that I moved here and met my husband. I was living in New York City and then I moved to Los Angeles and met my husband and I was still working for ABC News and I got pregnant. And then right before Brooks was born is when the pandemic hit. So travel slowed down, basically went away and I was working from home. And so I got a taste of like, oh, this is what it's like to not be all over the place all the time. And I got to be the really present kind of mom that I always wanted to be, but I didn't know how that would be possible with my job. And so it just kind of showed me like, okay, this is the kind of pace that I need. And so I stepped away from that job and that lifestyle. And it was, like I said, it was great for that time of my life, but now I anchor at a local station. So my hours, even though they're crazy, they're set and work is right here. I don't have to get on a plane. I can have dinner with my family every night. And I'm really grateful that it worked out this way. It's kind of what I'd always hoped. And it just took a while to get here. I mean, honestly, I initially, I thought that I would be a mom and have a family starting years earlier than I did. But career just kind of like took over. And I think that happens to a lot of women now. You know, you just put all of your energy into your career and there's nothing wrong with that. But it just sort of changed the timeline for me a little bit. Well, and then that goes back to the, but they're like, oh, but I froze my eggs, so everything will be fine. And sometimes it is. 
And sometimes it isn't. And I wish that more people would talk about that, that it's just not like a guarantee because I thought that I thought because I froze my eggs and I didn't even really know like what's a good number to have, like how many should I have to like feel a little bit secure. And I talked to the doctor about it and he's like, oh, what you have is fine. I got nine eggs. He's like, oh, that's fine. You'll be good. Well, I wish that he would have pushed me to do a few rounds. Yes. And I wish I would have done that even younger. I mean, I was 34, 35 when I froze my eggs. Like I, yeah. I wish I would have thought to do it in my 20s, but no one really talked about it. And I feel like it's just starting to be a thing people yes. are open with. And so I'm like that, that annoying woman at work now to the younger one. Like, Same. you think you want to have kids one day? Yep. Just freeze your eggs now. Even if you don't think you're going to need it, like, yes. just do yourself this favor. And they're like, I, you know, no one... I think takes it seriously until you're like, until exactly. I'm that crazy lady too. We should get hats that are just like freeze eggs and just wear them all over town. (laughs) Marcy, you're such a delight. And I am hoping and praying and wishing and visualizing the family that you desire for you. As we say goodbye, is there and no pressure, but is there any phrase you love to live by or mantra that you tell yourself or even a cliche that really works for you (laughs) that you want to share with anybody? You know, it it is, it's probably very cliche, but I just always believe that everything is working out exactly the way it's supposed to. And the picture I have for what my life is going to be, I might not get that exact picture, but whatever it is, it will make sense at the time. So I had that relationship. I told you that like we ended up being with the wrong guy and the whole thing. And at the time I couldn't believe the relationship was ending and I just was so devastated. And now I'm so thankful because I have this amazing husband and this beautiful family and I have all of these things. And so I just try to tell myself that like this journey I'm on right now, this IVF, everything with IVF and infertility, and it's just so hard and I can't understand why it's happening. I like, why, why, why? But I really believe that eventually it will make sense. And so it's all happening the way it's supposed to. It's unfolding the way it's meant to. And that's kind of what gets me through I love most that. of the time. And then sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm just sad and struggling. And Right. And then you're like, why on earth would this be happening to me? Yeah. Which is yeah. what we all feel. So I think it's always that delicate balance. Yeah, for sure. Thank but you thank you so, so much, much, Abby. This, this has been so, so wonderful. I am so honored that you so are including honored. me. I'm stunned. And I, you know, I'm not used to being the one being interviewed. I'm used to being the one asking. I love that. Questions. I apologize <laughs> if I'm like so awkward and rambling. And not like, at all. No, like you've been fantastic. Well, thank you. And I'm so happy that you're doing this podcast because podcasts have been a lifeline for me yes. through all of this. Every time I'm in the car, I am listening to a yeah. fertility podcast. I have learned so much and gotten so many great resources. And so there's no one better to be doing this than you. So oh, thank I love you. you thank you. Your time and sharing your expertise and your connections. And I'm just, I'm so excited to listen to all of your episodes. That'll be our exact ad right there. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) You're the best. So good to see you and sending love with this newborn. Yeah, that's what we figure for as long as we have her. We'll just give her lots and lots of love and sweet. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Great to see you. Thank you. (laughs) 
Okay, that was Marcy Gonzalez. Isn't she a love? So at the time of recording, she had just started fostering this baby girl. And at the time of air, she still has this beautiful baby girl. So hopefully whatever happens, Marcy will give us an update. I am sending her and her family so much love. And I'm just so grateful that people like Marcy are speaking out about their journeys. I can't even imagine what it's like to be in front of the camera all the time working on this side of things. So thank you, Marcy. So as we briefly spoke about earlier, this time of year starts to provoke a lot of anxiety for people. I am, as you know, on the other side of my infertility journey, and I actually still hate Mother's Day. And I feel like such a Debbie Downer because I used to love Mother's Day as a kid. We'd do family brunches, and then I worked in the restaurant business forever, and I started to hate Mother's Day because, you know, family brunches. Everything I loved about going out to my family brunch as a kid was everything I hated about waiting tables for families who were going out with kids. And so I see both sides of loving and hating Mother's Day, but the torture of yearning to be a mother while the whole world celebrates those who are mothers and were able to successfully become mothers. You know, right when I got married, I was excited to be a wife on Mother's Day. And I know that for some people now, that feels painful. Then I spent six years trying to become a mother and I was wishing to hold a baby and I didn't. And so the first year that I didn't get pregnant, I sort of noticed that Mother's Day was, you know, a small pang in my heart. And then the second year we tried to get pregnant and didn't, that pang morphed into anxiety and sadness. And by year three, it was full blown depression and anxiety. And it would really creep in around April. I feel like once spring hit, you just knew that Mother's Day was this impending doom feeling that was gonna be hanging over you. And so I really started learning how to set boundaries around that day. And what I wanna say to you today, if you're listening and you're hurting, around this time of year is to please set those boundaries for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. When I did first finally get pregnant on my fourth round of IVF, that pregnancy was not meant to be and so it did not last. And my miscarriage started actually in April and by the time it was over, it was about four days before Mother's Day. So that was probably the worst one of them all. But I started thinking about all my friends who'd lost their mothers and how horrible this day must be for them to even walk into a card store and be triggered by the cards that somebody sees on Mother's Day or for Mother's Day. Most holidays are especially hard when you're going through infertility, but this one felt more painful and like I could just cry at the drop of a hat. May in general can be hard as well because the Sunday before Mother's Day is actually called Bereaved Mother's Day, where bereaved mothers are meant to get a day of love and attention and support. And May 4th is Termination for Medical Reason Awareness Day. So perhaps a pregnant woman's worst nightmare when she has to terminate a pregnancy, literally for medical reasons, either her life or the life of the child is at risk. And then once you finally get through the Mother's Day, Father's Day approaches. So for those of you just hurting right now, I've been there, I see you, I feel you. I want you to know you're not alone. You're welcome to reach out hi at thefertilitychick.co and just share with me what you're feeling right now. And in the meantime, I'm sending you strength and love. If you or someone you know is struggling through infertility, please reach out to me at incirclefertility.com. Come grab a 30-minute talk with me, see if I can help you in any way. And in the meantime, 
Please follow me at The Fertility Chick at Abby Feeder and at Encircle Fertility on Instagram. And I can't wait for you to see who we have next week. Take good care and sending love.